Welcome to God Talks with Joey Oswald. Hello, it's a great day to have a great day. And today I get to interview my good friend and cousin, Faith Carpenter, on this episode of God Talks. And this is part two, our second episode, our second conversation. And I am super excited. Go ahead and give her a round of applause. <laughs> Go, Faith. All right, Faith, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Fantastic. I love the way that you open this. It's a great day to have a great day. It is. I just started doing that because I love it. Autumn told me I need to have some sort of like slogan. She watches mm-hmm. a lot of YouTubers. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to have a, a slogan. slogan. But then I used to send out like a Snapchat every single morning back when I was yeah. in college saying mm-hmm. it's a great day to have a great day. And I think actually I love Jake taught me that. Then I stuck with it and now like a lot of my friends whenever they see me they'll <laughs> say stuff like that hey it's a great day to have a great day and it's kind of a joke but it. it's also true I, you have a lot of little tag phrases like that <laughs> I feel like and I believe it's true every day I wake <laughs> up it's a great day to have a great day right why I, not I agree I think every day can it has the chance to be the best day of your life so so why not right absolutely the best day of your life so far and then tomorrow exactly. can be the next best day of your life just keeps getting better and better. That's um, right. So how are you feeling after our last or after our last conversation? I'm very excited to do the next section. <laughs> Good. I am too. I'm very excited. I could have talked to you for hours. For hours and hours. I know. Oh, yeah. And it's frustrating because I know even though we're doing two episodes, I know there's going to be more <laughs> questions I have and just like picking your brain because you come from a we came from the same family but you have a completely different understanding or concept of I mean you grew up in the Baptist church you you came out and you left your fiance left your home all in the same day and things that Mm -hmm. I've never experienced and so just learning from people who have gone through different experiences that I haven't been through I think is it's just something I love. And I find myself asking people probably too many questions. Um, I don't think there's such a thing as too many questions. <laughs> well, for some people it is. For they, some people. Yeah. But I, I am a person who thirsts for knowledge. I'm a person who gets told that I have a lot of useless knowledge because I know really random stuff about really random things. And But I'm like, hey, the more you know, the more you know. <laughs> exactly. There's no such thing as useless knowledge. And you're one of those people who you do, you're very intelligent, but you don't, you don't come off that way in a sense that if someone says something that's wrong, you're not like, Hey, you're wrong. You know, I know this and you don't. And I appreciate that. Yeah. You, you know, when to interject and you know, when not to. And so that's super cool. But yeah. I want to start out by asking you, mm-hmm. how exactly has your life changed? Cause you said, since everything happened around last March, this has been the best year of your life. So, mm. so what things specifically have changed that makes you feel like this has been the best year of your life? Mm. Um, most like prominently, just like, uh, I don't find a better way to say it than being happier than I ever like knew was possible. 
and just because I think there's a big piece of that that is just this freedom that kind of came with um coming out I I've you know I've heard people say it and like in sharing their stories of coming out and everything and I was always one of those people who was like yeah but did it really but I really Mm -hmm. did the day that I came out like I felt a whole weight just lift wow like even though yes this last year was the best year has been the best year of my life it has also been the hardest year of my life oh wow in all of the best in all of the best ways because and hardest just because it it, you know going through what I've gone through and doing you know coming out making excuse me making that choice having to deal with all of that none of it was an easy thing especially I think you know one of the hardest things specifically for me was the breakup Uh, of myself and my fiance and I think it it was so much harder because even though I knew that I was doing the absolute right thing for myself I was doing everything that I needed to do um you know it was hard because nothing bad happened between he and I you know it's easier to to write off a breakup when something terrible happens or you know that person does something awful to you it's just that much easier for them to be like yep nope that was it that's why I'm walking away and then you can it's almost I don't know, feel justified in that it's okay to not be there anymore. And as much as I knew it was okay to not be there anymore because it was what I needed, I also knew that I was hurting one of the most important people in my life uncontrollably. There was nothing I could do to control that was going to hurt him. Yeah. Even though it was the best thing for me. That's wild because you were just talking about on the last episode how you oftentimes, well, I mean, I observe it but you put other people's happiness over your Mm -hmm. own. And it Mm -hmm. was at a point where if in order to not hurt him, you had to not be who you truly are. Right. Which was hurting me. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what was the point? Do you think, what was the turning point where you realized, okay, this is doing more harm than it is good. Um. I mean, I think we talked a little bit last time about the transition point for me of the day that I realized that this was going to change my life forever. Um, And I feel like that was kind of, it all kind of happened in that same moment. Um, But I just, like I said, it didn't, it definitely didn't make that any easier because I can't emphasize enough that like really was one of the coolest, most interesting, like awesome people that I'd ever known in my life. And he'd been you know, outside of being my life partner for the last almost five years, he was my best friend. <laughs> wow. And so it just became, and that's, and it's something that I've struggled with and grown with, especially, you know, over this last year of like, that it's okay to choose me. You know, it's okay to sometimes put somebody else before myself in a selfless way, but that it's also okay to take that time and, and, and choose me and put me first, that there's nothing wrong with that. It's not, you know, selfish or self-involved or self-centered to do that when it's necessary absolutely and that's something a lot of people struggle with is having that Mm. balance of give and take um Mm -hmm. and you had mentioned that you have to fill your own cup up before you can give to others and that's something i think is i mean i'm that's an analogy that a lot of people used with me like used in, in conversation with me that you can't you know you can try to fill other people's cups and that's a great thing, but you can't fill anybody's cup from your own if it's empty. Yep. Absolutely. So you have to find that balance of keeping your cup 
sustained too. Yeah. And you had talked about over this past year, you have been the happiest you've ever been. And Mm. so, so what is happiness and what is happiness to you compared to joy? And in going off of that, how does God play into your overall happiness and also the joy that you have in life? Um, well, I think that I personally at least attribute any joy or happiness that I have to God because I know mm. I couldn't have it without him. Wow. You know, everything that happens in our lives is something that he has allowed to happen. Good, bad, ugly, hard, painful. It is all something that was a piece of his puzzle for your life. So um, I think for me, no matter what's happening for me, good, bad, or ugly, you know, or fantastic, I attribute it and thank him for it. Because even the hard stuff I thank him for, because I, even though sometimes in the moment of going through something difficult, it's hard to see it. It's something he's given you so that you can grow he's helping you you know to me at least I feel like he's then in something in a struggle or a hard spot you know it's it's a task or or a thing he's given me to make me a stronger version of me and it's a stronger version he knows is there and he knows is better for me um as for what is happiness in terms or like versus joy I kind of feel like they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. um I guess if I really had to boil it down, I feel like maybe I feel like happiness is has more longevity Mm. to where I feel like I would use joy as like a way to describe something more momentary. Okay. That makes sense. I've heard those terms used back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I, I think for a while I thought they were the same thing. Um, and then scripture talks about them differently mm-hmm. and I'm just mm-hmm. curious about that in general yeah um and I think a lot of times we can have joy but at the same time not necessarily be happy and vice mm-hmm. versa too and that's Absolutely. a difficult thing for people to process through mm-hmm. but I like that you Next. said all of your joy is attributed to God because mm-hmm. God is good and mm-hmm. and that's amazing that's something yep. that I've thought of thought a lot about too but yeah. talking about, we talked about the Baptist church and you grew mm. up in the Baptist church and mm-hmm. how has your understanding of Christianity changed since you left the Baptist church to this present moment right now? Well, I can definitely say I'm still building that. And I don't honestly think I will ever stop, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a good thing. I think it's always good to question and grow, excuse me, question and grow. Definitely. Um, I think that we started to touch on last time, the Baptist church just has a very strict set of views and beliefs. And I think I described it last time as a very narrow pathway for what was living righteously. Um, And I kind of, I think the biggest change or the biggest difference that I have now in what I believe is that it isn't narrow. Mm -hmm. I think, and it doesn't, it never, excuse me, it never looks one way. You know, everybody in this world has the chance to walk with God and not one of those walks or journeys is going to look the same. And I think that was a big misconception that I had growing up in the church that I grew up in with the beliefs that they had was that it looked or it was portrayed as though, you know, although there may have been microscopic differences, everybody's walk with Jesus was supposed to look one way. 
Uh-huh. And it, it just isn't. Everybody comes from a different place. Everybody goes through, I think the one word, ironically, this word kind of came from <laughs> watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette, which I don't do anymore. I gave it a chance, but I couldn't handle <laughs> it. But one, it's like part of their contract that the word they have to use to describe the experience on that show is the journey, Hmm. our journey. And I really, that was the one thing that I latched onto from that show because I was like, that is exactly what our life is. I have been on a journey with coming out. I have been on a consistent journey with God my whole life. Like, I just feel like that word really encompasses it better than any other word that I've ever been able to see. is a journey and you go through I think you go through different mini journeys on your way and I think that you know it's all different for every person absolutely absolutely I totally agree 100% and you hit on something um, Mm. and I want to ask you about you said everyone has the right to know God and and have a relationship Mm. with him and is that Mm -hmm. something that the Baptist church claims to believe because I know a lot of people who believe in uh, it's called predestination and basically Mm -hmm. it's, it's the elect. So only certain people will be able to know. And that's a whole separate conversation, but I think (laughs) the Baptist church um, believes they don't believe in predestination, but you said they do have this narrow-minded view of what it means to, to know Jesus and how you have to live in order to, like you yes, said, live maintain right. that relationship. Is that something that was spoken at church or something you observed? Um, I feel like it was spoken that everybody has the chance to know, you know, to know God, to know Jesus. I just think that growing up, there was a bigger pretense on how. Oh, how? You know, and how that's where say? just to, you know, I think the biggest and I've definitely come away from with in terms of this has been that it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't even matter what you've done. Mm. You can still have that relationship with God. And I feel like that was a big thing. I think we talked a little bit about that. One of the biggest reasons that my, my mom, you know, pulled us out of the Baptist church we were going to was because of the prejudicial and judgmental lens um, that a lot of that, you know, church community had against everybody. Yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, one of, I think what comes to mind right now that was hard, not necessarily hard for me, but I think it's hard for a lot of people to like remember and think about, but just crazy to me almost and interesting to me is that um, in the eyes of God, sin is sin. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. There aren't levels of sin. And I feel like that is a, a thing that, that people tend to believe is that, oh, well, it's just this little thing. So it's not that bad. You know, I didn't, I didn't murder anybody or, you know, I didn't do these massively bad things. And it's like, maybe morally, <laughs> there's a you know, a staircase of levels of what is bad and what is worse. But in the eyes of God, sin is sin. It doesn't matter the magnitude that you feel that it was. Sin is sin. 
And I think to me, that's just such a cool and crazy thing to think about because in the eyes of God, it doesn't matter where, again, it doesn't matter where you've come from. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter any part of that. What matters to him is that you come to him and you work your hardest to stay with him. And, you know, I think we kind of talked last time that that isn't always easy and we're going to fall. You know, we were born into sin. We live in sin our whole lives. We try our hardest for, you know, a lot of people do try their, my sister and I were just talking about this, that you can try your hardest every day, but it doesn't matter. You're still a sinner. The really cool thing is that God is good and God loves you anyway. I love that answer, Faith. And I think that is such a beautiful thing about how anyone can know God. Um, and I'm just curious, you talked about mm-hmm. leaving the Baptist church. What did you say? You were 12 years old? Yeah. And I'm not trying mm-hmm. to say anything negative about the Baptist church as a whole, mm-hmm. or even yeah. about the church that you went to, because I know a lot of good things come from that. Um, but I'm just curious from your mm-hmm. experience, if mm-hmm. you walked into the Baptist church right now and they knew about everything that had happened in the past year, about you leaving your fiance, about mm-hmm. you coming out as gay, um, about uh, the relationship that you're in now, if you walked mm-hmm. into that Baptist church that you were going to, what would they say to you? I have a hard time believing that because I feel like as specific as their views are, I think that there are tons of good people that go there. Absolutely. Um, so I don't think there would be like an outright condemnation, but you don't think they I tell f- you to get out of there. I don't think that, but <laughs> I do think that it would I think this because it's the church my dad grew up in for, well, for most of his adult life, he found that church when he was in his mid teens and w- went there for until I was 12 years old. Um, and his view has kind of summed up what I feel like would be very similar to what the church would feel. And, um, you know, it is that it is a sin and I am living in sin. And as much as I don't think they would outright, like I said, condemn me, it would be a hard effort to convert me or they would not (laughs) use that term. They would use show me Mm. the way. And um, which is why I haven't gone back, which is also why it's been um, a little bit of a struggle and a like a specific journey that I've had to, or a specific piece of my journey that I've had to make to find a church that is, for me right now, I needed a church that was openly open and affirming because I was already working through a lot in reconstructing my own faith and my own relationship with God that I didn't, I wasn't benefiting from going to a church where I didn't know because that was something that was always on my mind. And it was always, I think, pulling my mind away from what I needed to be getting out of a service or out of a, a message because I was really worried about that part instead of, you know, the message. Okay. That makes sense. There's a lot, lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> I would be interested to see some some heads turn when, when you walk through the door. I mean, just your whole family, not just you, but because right. you guys haven't been there for so long. Um, mm-hmm. 
it'd be interesting. I'd love mm-hmm. it. But so being in a, a church like that, it's smaller. And you guys have all talked about the tight knit community. Was mm-hmm. there a lot of talking behind people's back or, um, or just like, yes. what? okay, yeah, go ahead. Yes. I think that there was, I think it was not, I mean, obviously it was 12 when we left. So I wasn't necessarily privy to a lot of it as it was happening. You know, now looking back, my mom will share things that would go on, like affairs that people were pretty sure were happening. Um, Children that didn't belong to their own dads, you know, Mm. different, different things. And it was things that clearly if my mom knew about them and they had nothing to do with her, somebody was talking about it. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's a fair amount of people who do that. You know, gossip is a sin. Mm-hmm. And, but I can guarantee you that none of them would ever frame it as that. Yeah. It would have been, if I had to guess, I would say it would have been framed as a godly concern for their <laughs> well being. <laughs> oh my goodness. But wow. yeah. I can, yeah, I could kind of tell that just from the experience you guys used to come. heard. Yeah. Well, and you guys used to come to stuff at the church. Well, well you guys to, had I mean, everything there. We had everything there. And obviously, for quite some time, people from the church would come to those things because mm-hmm. of that tight knit community feel that everybody knew everybody and everybody was involved for everybody. But yeah. Yeah. You guys yeah. had everything there and you were there so much that for a while I thought you guys lived there. Um, <laughs> No, I was just looking really. back through I was just looking back through pictures and even like Mama, I forget which birthday, one of her birthdays, we did that whole like 50s theme party. Yep. That was at the church. Yeah. Yeah. That was at the true. church. Yep. Wow. But, and, yeah. So we've we've talked a lot about sin. What is sin? How some mm. people think you being gay is a sin, or you had mentioned mm. gossiping is a sin. Um, mm. so the big question I think everyone kind of has a different take on, but what do you think sin is? I think for me, sin is anything that goes against what God has laid out for us. And I think the biggest point of the for sure, I feel like there's a lot of gray area for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. myself included, Um, because like I've talked about before, we weren't here when God was here. We weren't here when Jesus came down. You know, we weren't, we weren't here when the commandments were written. We weren't here when any of that happens. everything that we believe and we know is based on a perception and an interpretation of what we have left which is the bible Mm -hmm. um so but i think the the big center point for a surefire no of what is a sin are the ten commandments i mean those were a solid set of ten things that he said you shall not do (laughs) um i think like we've also talked about that you know God's biggest message for us was to live in love. So I think that for me, anything that isn't that is also sinful because anything you're doing that isn't being done with love or in love isn't, you know, for me, it's just not what he wanted. Yeah. Wow. And that, that reminds me of, and I can't quote scripture. I'm not that good. Um, but I know something in the Bible. Um, and they asked Jesus, what's the greatest 
command and he just said to love one another and mm. that's just so beautiful that's so powerful too man. yeah and that's something i can see in your life and that's i mean you just hit on it right there and mm. it just reminds me that so often we get that out of order and like mm -hmm. you said we focus on this sin versus that sin and maybe they're condemning you for something but then they're literally gossiping about you which i mean you said sin is sin um, right. and that whole conversation I've... is just incredible but I'm curious, since you've mm -hmm. came out, I know you've had a lot of support from your family. And then at the same time, you've had some people maybe not be as supportive as, as you hope. And, and that's mm -hmm. life. And you talked about how you dealt with that. Has mm -hmm. anyone reached out to you and blatantly condemned you and told you this isn't right? No. That's good. I think that, That's good. Yeah. No, I think the closest that I've come to that, which is not been the easiest thing, but it's something that I've obviously had to deal with. But um, I secondhand got from someone who does love support and you know empower me to be me um, from a conversation that they had with my mm. dad. Um, that, you know, it's not real and I'm confused mm. and I'll figure it out eventually. So that negativity so that's been like, didn't come from that person. It came from no, your dad. Effectively at this point, my dad and I have never actually spoken about it. Wow. When so I came out, year. yeah, over a year, we've never talked about it. My, when I came out, my mom told me well we kind of came to the conclusion together that it was probably better that she told yeah. him just because you know we didn't know what his response would be and obviously I was going through a lot on my own at that time and we felt like you know you know unfortunately there was a good chance that there would be a negative response um and that that would obviously be even harder for me to handle in the state that I was in and so we said that it was probably better that she was the one who told him initially and for me in my head, I was like, that works. You know, she can tell him, I'll give him some time to ruminate, to process, you know, however he needs to. And then we would come back, you know, together and talk about it. And it was something that made me a little bit nervous just because my dad and I have not had necessarily like the best or closest relationship, um, especially since I've become a teenager and, and then in, into my adult life. Um, we have a very complicated relationship that could I could spend an entire episode talking about but um <laughs> probably so, longer probably longer um that made me nervous about it but I just was also like I don't see a better option in terms of this so my mom told him she said that he was more surprised that I was leaving Walker which was my fiance's name um than that I had come out and I think that was just because if I had to interpret it, obviously, and this is all my interpretation because he and I haven't spoken about it. I think that's more because he doesn't think, people always laugh at me and like look at me very exasperated when I say this, but he doesn't think homosexuality is real. And he definitely believes that I'm just confused and I will figure it out eventually for myself. And really? Basically come back to the path. Yeah. Um, so I think that the shock for him that I was leaving Walker was more also because um, for those who know my dad, he's very money hungry and money centered. 
Um, and to him, my life, I had it made pretty much. I was well taken care of. My bills were paid. I didn't really worry for much when I was with him. Um, so to him, it was more of a question of why would you throw that away? And especially why would you throw that away for that, I guess. I think wow. for him. That is wild. But I guess on a positive note, over you've had way more support for you than against, mm-hmm. at least expressed to you, right? Yes. So that's good. Yes. That, that makes me happy. Um, me too. And so I'm just curious, someone going through the same thing that you went through, what is something that, that bystanders or, or allies or people who are close to them, what can we do to support them? I think one of the biggest things, and it's because it was such a struggle for me, is encouragement for self-acceptance because I Mm. think especially for people who come out off of you know a religious upbringing especially like a strict religious upbringing that very much believed homosexuality was wrong that that's a one of the biggest pieces and biggest struggles of the whole the whole experience and the whole journey is accepting themselves so I think just being affirming in like because I, for me, one of the biggest things that continued to cross my mind or like plague my mind really um, was that I was wrong. That even though I had no doubt, when I finally came out, there were zero doubts left in my mind that this was me, that this is who I was, that this is exactly what I was supposed to be doing which was so hard to have such a hard contradiction in my own head Mm -hmm. about myself to know and feel like everything was finally going how it was supposed to. But on the flip side of that same coin to feel like every part about me was wrong. Wow. And sinful and, you know, condemnation. (laughs) Self-acceptance is something that we can, we can try to be there for. And it's difficult because just like, you know, um, not everyone goes through the same experience. So someone mm. who, who isn't gay, we don't know what you're going through. And someone who hasn't had to go through the whole experience of mm. feeling like you can't be who you truly are. That's something I will never have to experience. So it's difficult to try I'm to say- i happy that you will never have to experience that. Yeah, exactly. So it's difficult for me to say, hey, Faith, I'm here for you. Also, I have no idea how to be here for you because I never have to go through that. And There's such a value in what you just said though. I don't know how to be here for you, but I'm here. That's so important. There are so many people who are like, I don't know how to help you. So good luck. Yeah. But, you know, I think that was another really big helpful piece from my people. That's what I say, my people that don't get it because, you know, we do have other members of our family who have come out, have gone through that journey. But I, the closest, our cousin Kathy was probably the closest one who really fully understood. She definitely, I feel, had it harder than me because she didn't have a family that accepted her when she came out. Um, but she had, in terms of that religious journey, I think very similar to me because she grew up in church as well. But, you know, nobody gets it. There is, though, so much value in saying, I don't know what you need, mm-hmm. but I'm still right here, oh. you know 
no matter what, I'm right here for whatever you need. I may not know what you need, but I'm here. And that was, I think, even just in my relationship with Emma, you know, that's something that we've kind of learned together, just that you don't always have to know how to help. Being there sometimes is, sometimes being there is all that, you know, that person needs. Wow. But sometimes being there is enough because then that person can kind of communicate like in this moment, this is where I'm at and I could really use this thing. Or, you know, one of the most, like the coolest phrases that I've learned is, you know, what what can I do or what kind of support do you need right now? Mm. Especially in moments of crisis. And sometimes the answer is, I don't know. And that's a hard thing. That's a hard answer to hear because you want yeah. to help so badly. Mm-hmm. So you don't know how to help and they don't know what they need. And then in that moment, you're just like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. But like I said, sometimes just being right there and just even being that much of a support, not necessarily having a specific task to support, but just being there and saying like, I'm here for you in this moment for whatever you need, whether that's a hug, whether that's to vent, whether that's, you know, to try to talk through and understand whatever's happening inside your head right now. Cause I think when everybody processes things different, you know, for me, whenever I was going through a really hard struggle or having a bad anxiety spiral surrounding, you know, my spiritual life or my faith or anything really, you know, for me, I need to talk it through and I need to talk it through like four times. Yeah. Cause that's how my brain helped. That's, you know, that's what helps my brain to get to a better place with it. But you know, other people, you know, my girlfriend, she is not that way. She does mm. not need to talk it through. She needs to sit and ruminate and process on it herself before she can even think about trying to verbalize and talk it through with somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, just being, just being there and wow. genuinely being there. I think is the biggest thing that I would say. I see. So I know you had talked about a lot of family members don't necessarily, they don't know what to think about Mm -hmm. you being gay. They don't know if it's a sin or what, like in their own mind. And so Mm -hmm. how has their support been different from people who are just openly faith? This isn't a sin. You can be who you, who you want to be. Is Mm. it a different type of support? Can you feel that? Is it less supportive when someone says, Hey, I don't agree, but I'm still here for you. That one's a really hard one for me. Yeah. It is. Cause I think I try to think of like, when I try to explain what that's like, I try to like frame that in something else that would happen to, I don't know, happen to more people or be more like, I try to make it, I guess, more accessible to other people, but like, it's like somebody telling you that the fact that you have brown hair they don't Mm -hmm. think that's okay but they still love you yeah so like it's 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 a hard conflicting thing to deal with because there's no doubt of the love there yeah i mean clearly you know my mom is one who has said that to me and there is there is definitely no doubt for me at all that my mom loves me more than anybody else in this world yes but that's still a hard to know you know that there is one fundamental part of me that she doesn't necessarily agree with or doesn't necessarily accept um you know my sister is going through her own journey with god i have loved absolutely loved watching her blossom in her faith and you know grow her relationship and kind of and and do the work to build that for herself and i think Mm -hmm. i love it so much more for her because it was so authentically her choice wow 
Whereas my relationship with God really started as it wasn't given a choice. Yeah, <laughs> you know, forced. we were at church all the time. It was a forced thing. And I think there's a beauty to both. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we left the church when I was 12. My sister was only five. Wow. So there's no, like, she was out of the church before she even fully comprehended what it was. So I think that for me has been so amazing to watch her is that that was an authentic herself choice. She wanted that for herself. And, um, but I also am aware that she is still in her own journey with it. And she doesn't know what she believes in terms of, you know, that part of me. And that is a hard thing for me. You know, there's, I think there's a, I say irrational because, you know, my mom and I've talked about, there's this fear that she'll figure it out and not agree with it. And I think the fear that comes with it is that that'll change the relationship. It'll change, you know, I think it boils down to change the love. Yeah. And, you know, that was something my mom and I talked about a lot. And she was like, you know, just because, you know, no matter what she figures out for herself in her journey, she's not gonna love you any less. And. But to you, you it is different. Because, it is different yeah and it's and it isn't even I guess for me it doesn't even come down to loves me less yeah you know maybe there's a little bit of a fear of that but fundamentally and logically I think that fear comes from the anxiety side of my brain you know there's because you do you have two halves of your brain one is the logical side and one's the emotional side and you know in those moments of, of anxiety and fear the emotional side is what's taking over and it doesn't matter that your logical side of your brain knows the answer. And, and logically, I can sit here and say that I don't think that that's the kind of person that my sister is or my mom is, that they would just stop loving me because of that one thing. But it does, it's just something you're conscious of, I think, that you know that, yes, they love me, but, and that's, that in itself is hard. Yes, they love me, but. Yeah, yep, definitely. That's, I, I can't even imagine faith. And that's what I'm trying to understand is how we can support people in that position and not even just being gay, but any situation that I don't right. understand what you're going through. I want to be able to, to love you and support you, but I don't know how. And so thank you for giving me that, that totally. answer. Um, the fact that else... you're inquiring about that says a lot about you, Jay. Oh, stop it. Hopefully I can edit that part out. Um, <laughs> or don't. <laughs> um, and I know in the recent or in recent years, more churches have been open about one accepting gay people, but two, a lot of churches have gone the complete opposite direction and said, no, being gay is not a sin. Not only do we accept you, but this is biblical. And, and then of course, mm. on the, the complete 180, there's still those churches who, nope, you can't do that. We're going to condemn you. We're going to try to, like you said, convert mm. you. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you think churches can go about advocating for, for uh, just gay rights in general? You know, um, And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be okay with it because I know, like you said, it's a process. And that's something I wanted to say mm-hmm. about your sister. It, it's a process for her, just like it is for you. Um, Mm -hmm. and as churches and society kind of becomes more modern, um, Mm. how do you think the best way for them to advocate and show love to people in your position would be? I really think that starts with re-examining your own faith and your Mm. own bias, because I have a support group that I joined at the church that I'm attending right now. 
it's called coming out Christian. And I was drawn to it because the verbiage on their website talked about um, deconstructing and reconstructing faith um, surrounding coming out, you know, as a Christian. Um, one of the meetings though, that I went to one of the other people that was there mentioned she does not have you know affirming parents and when she had told them that she was going to the support group for lgbtq community members um at a church her she said her mom asked her well is it a bible believing church and the minister was actually she attended that meeting with us which i think is such a cool thing and it's such an even further affirming thing that it's not just this subgroup of people at this church like the like the head lead minister of the church Absolutely. attends the meetings with us and she's not gay she's married to a man and like leads a fully heterosexual life but is still so and she like you know it's an open forum to talk and discuss and but this girl said that and the minister was like it she said i have such a hard time hearing that because yes we are she said that's exactly why you know i knew that this was what i had to do because i want to help people re-examine the scripture re-examine their understanding of the scripture and see that it isn't as black and white and a hard you know steadfast no as everybody you know as not everybody but so many people think that it is and that was just so striking for me because I was like that is exactly what I want I need and need honestly I think it's even more than a want for yeah. me right now is that I want and need to re-examine the scripture without the prejudicial lens that I grew up with. And I feel like that's something that I wish more people would do. People and churches, people and churches. And I feel like there's also just such a focus on it. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Of that, then that's the thing that would be that, I guess it makes me think that there was a church that I was attending that they weren't outwardly open and affirming. So it was an unknown for me. And that was something I was struggling with because it was a church that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the pastor. I liked the messages, but that was always something in the back of my mind. And I definitely felt like it opened me up to feeling more persecuted than I think was maybe necessary wow. because I took more things personally. So I reached out to the church on my own and just asked, you know, what their standpoint was, what their viewpoint was. And it was so telling to me, their response. It was so ambiguous. There was no hard, steadfast answer, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but in the ambiguity of it, it was this air of, we don't turn any, you know, everyone is welcome, but we're going to show you the right way. Wow. That's mm. powerful. That mm -hmm. is powerful. I, I wish more people could, could be like that. Um, and you've talked a lot about your faith and about your beliefs regarding God. And you've talked about the Bible a lot. Um, and so I'm just curious, what do you believe the Bible to be? Do you believe it to be God's infallible word? Do you think that there's issues with it? Um, just, just what do you think it is? I wouldn't say that there's issues with the Bible. I think there's issues with how people interpret it. Wow. And I think there's issues with not necessarily how people interpret it, but how heavy people, like how much weight people put into what is literally someone's interpretation of it. That's yeah. all it is. You know, like I've emphasized and talked, we weren't here when he was 
So we don't know what was happening or how it went or, you know, any of that. Literally anything we know of the Bible is an interpretation and a perception. And I think that, that we forget how easy it is to color that based on our own bias. You know, my sister was just telling me, I think this goes directly to what I'm trying to get at here. My sister was just telling me the other day that my dad tried to use scripture to prove a point about, I think it was about interracial marriages is what it was. We're talking about interracial marriages. And he, I forget which verse it was. Ironically, two days after we had this conversation, my Bible app brought that verse. Like that was one of the verses of the day. (laughs) Um, But it was about not living, having an unbalanced yoke, which Mm. he used it to that. But my my sister goes, I had to go look it up because I wanted, she said, I hadn't heard the verse and I wanted to understand it better. So she went and found the verse. It, the rest of the verse talks about having an unbalanced yoke in your religion mm. specifically and so like that to me is context. such a prime example yeah. yes and i don't think anybody realizes often that happens all the that time. people just use what sounds to go with what they are trying to get across rather than giving the whole verse which actually has nothing to do with what they're talking about yep and exactly. i think that's so powerful so you know i think I think the Bible is a tool that we were given by our God because he knew he wasn't going to be here forever. He knew his son wasn't going to be here forever. He wanted us to have a tool to help us know what to do and how to live and, you know, how to deal with things outside of clearly, you know, everybody, we have, we have prayer and we have that too, but he wanted us to have that tool. And I think that I think the biggest issue with it is that people misuse it or just use it to fuel their own agenda rather than what it was intended for. Absolutely. It happens all the time. And like you said, I think it's important if you hear something that doesn't sound right, go look it up for yourself. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, it is an interpretation. It's someone else's interpretation. And so that's, yep. that's powerful. I think we need more of that examining what it says rather than just taking someone else's word for word it. For it. And that's something your mom is huge on too. And, and I love that. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to someone who comes out as gay, but mm-hmm. then they think they can't be gay and a Christian? Mm, find a different church. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I think that was a big part of it for me. And I, I want to go along with that and say that there are plenty of people that would tell you that finding a church that tells you it's okay doesn't make it okay. Mm-hmm. But for me, and I'm still working through this, I don't want it to be as though, oh, I found all the answers because I haven't. Right. Um, but find you, find a church for yourself that not doesn't just blankly say, yes, you're good. Find a church that makes you examine it. Find a church that, to me, Church is supposed to help you better understand your religion Mm. for me and your relationship with God. Like that's what church is for me. It's a tool. Just like my Bible's a tool, just like my prayer is a tool. Church is a tool that helps me better understand because people like you who have gone and 
you know, you're in seminary right now, gone to do and understand and have a deeper, better understanding who have, you know, such a miraculous to me relationship with God, you know, that's what it's there for. They're there to help you better understand, you know, your own relationship with God. So go find a church that helps you do that. And one that openly helps you do that. And when I say openly, I mean, open-mindedly that doesn't necessarily have this hard and fast book of rules of what it has to be, but just authentically and genuinely says, this is what the scripture says. Let's talk about it. Wow. I think that's been the biggest thing for me. I love that. Um, (laughs) You talked about how you had a drastically different upbringing with the church than Joy Mm -hmm. because she was so young when you guys left. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, do you think when you have kids, will you Mm -hmm. make them go to church? Oh, that's a hard one. Yes and no. (laughs) Yes and no. I think that because of how I was raised in general, I want my kids to have so much more of a say in their lives, in every part of their lives. But I also think that it is a job. It is the job as a parent to help foster some of those things. So I think that to a certain point, yes, I would would bring my children to church. I don't want to say force them to go to church, but I would bring my children to church. And then once they've gotten to a point where I know that they understand themselves, you know, I want them to have that power and that choice to say, you know, I don't want to. And yeah. that's, and that, and, and for them to know that that's okay. What age do you think that is? A hard one too. Um, but probably, I think it depends on the kid because I feel like I look at, you know, myself versus my siblings. And I know that I was always, I've always been very mature for my age. And I look at my siblings and you know my brothers weren't necessarily as overly mature for their age so I think that it would have differed but I think you know anywhere between I think eight and ten honestly where they really start to figure themselves they start I feel like people think that that's not how it goes but they're figuring themselves out all the time and I think that there's so much self-empowerment and giving them that option because you know what this week they may say you know what mom I don't want to go to church yeah but next week they may be like you know what no I do and we have to to me we it's our job to let them do that on their own because to me I think that them doing that and going through that for themselves and figuring that out while I'm there is so much more powerful and helpful than them trying to do that and figure it out way later in their life feeling like I never gave them the choice because then I feel like not giving them the choice also drives a little bit of a wedge and puts up a little bit of a boundary because it, it, it communicates to them that it's not okay for them to think or feel differently than me. Oh, definitely. And, and that's think, not fair. To yeah. Them. And it was so. interesting to me when I asked Noah that question, he mm-hmm. said, he's definitely going to make his kids go to church. And I was like, dang, I did not expect that. I did not expect that. I didn't either. Listening to it, I didn't expect it. He and I have actually talked about it since then because I listened to his and he talked about the community feel of the church. And I reached out and told him that I thought that my church might be a place that he would enjoy for that reason. It's smaller, it's more old fashioned, but 
And he even said to me, I don't think I'll go to church again until I have kids, which was also an interesting concept for me to think about and wrap my head around. But There are a few questions that I love to ask everyone who mm-hmm. I get the chance to interview. And, and again, I could talk to you for hours. We could do part three, four, five, however, and it wouldn't be enough time. Um, <laughs> but, but these are questions I love to ask everyone. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go ahead and ask them. And the yeah. first one is, what is the Big Bang Theory? And of course, this is way off topic from what we've been talking about. But personally, but I'm not. curious. Yeah, because a lot of Christians and non-Christians use the Big Bang Theory to support their views. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, and we learn about it in school. Everyone has some sort of understanding about it. So I'm just curious what you think the Big Bang Theory is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think very initially, it's a scientific theory. Um, and I think that scares a lot of people who are religious because I yep. feel like a lot of people think that it has to be science or religion. And it doesn't, you know? <laughs> And, and nice. I will be honest, it's not something that I have, I will be honest and say it's not something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, but listening to your podcast with my brother, actually, really kickstarted that thought process for me because I felt like, again, I hadn't really thought about it, but when it boiled down to it, I, I definitely feel like it doesn't have to be one or the other because they go hand in hand more than people even realize. Yep. They really do. And, you know, like I said, your conversation with my brother and talking about that the Big Bang Theory still started from two atoms and where did those come from? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> but we don't learn about that in school. No, because why would you? Religion has been yanked out of schools. Exactly. And that's what I don't talk about my personal views on here hardly ever. Mm-hmm. I try to keep that out because it is. I'm just gathering information from people mm-hmm. learning about their beliefs but that is something that I'm very open about because society makes us choose either science or religion and I'm not doesn't have that to be all. that yeah and so that's really I think cool. they're I two that. pieces of the same puzzle absolutely it's like you can't even get to me you can't even have the whole picture without looking through both lenses I love that. together most together. people don't have mm-hmm. that view and so I'm really glad that that you do um Another question I I ask everyone is, do you Mm -hmm. believe that all religions lead to the same God? Yes, I think in a way they do. I think that they have, you know, excuse me, different religions all over the world have a different idea of what that means. But it's all boiling down to the same, you know, basic idea. And it's just like, to me, I think that, I think of it almost very similarly to what I think of like the different denominations within the religion. Everybody has a little bit of a tweaked idea of what it is, but it's all basically the same thing. And I think I really believe that that's how a lot of, you know, a lot of the religions around the world are, you know, they center around the same basic ideas, but it just goes back to what I've said about interpretation and perception. Wow. I appreciate that, that honest answer. And again, it's so cool to see people grew up in the, the same house, going to the same church and experienced a lot of the same things and have drastically different views. And so that's just super cool. Um, and then another question I ask everyone is, what is your morning routine? And I ask this because pretty much every self-help or self-improvement book you read or video you watch will tell you in order to start your day off on the right foot, you have to get up early and do all these things. And then I, I came to find that 
you know what? A lot of successful people don't do that. And just roll yeah. out of bed and get their day started. And I, yeah. So I'm interested think, in what you do in the morning. I think there's a value to routine, but I don't think that it has to be specific at this time every day. Um, personally, I, um, and it changes a little bit in the summertime just because I have more freedom, but um, typically I get up and I make it a point that the first thing that I do in the morning, besides maybe turning off an alarm is roll over and kiss my girlfriend because she's more important than anything else. Aww. My phone or the dogs or anything else. So I make a point for that to be the first thing that I do every morning. And then um, I get up and I feed the dogs um, while they're eating. I usually brush my teeth and then I let them out. And as I have let the last dog out, I go down to the basement and I meditate and pray. Um, and then I come back upstairs and get dressed and I try to eat something usually because that's important. Um, my girlfriend tells me that I have a poster child for hangry. So when I don't eat, it's catastrophic, <laughs> it's catastrophic for everyone else. Um, <laughs> that's and funny. then we just go about whatever, whatever the day has for us. Thanks. So you do have a structure. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. appear at the same time or whatever. Right. Cool. I'm saying, and it's a, I think a flexible thing, something that I've realized, especially in this, my journey over this last year is not to set hard and fast rules and expectations for yourself all the time, because you open yourself up to just disappoint yourself. And that's not fair. Wow. And then another thing that I ask everyone is mm. what advice you would give to me at my age in order, in order to help me live my best life love you you love me well i do love you but you need to love you okay and be you as authentically as you know how every single day and unapologetically i love that would that be the same advice you gave to me a year and a half ago Mm, probably not (laughs) honestly probably should be but it wasn't this last year has really done has really done a lot to change not even just change but just kind of open up things that I didn't realize were there yeah and I can see that I think everyone can see it in your life and as you began to love yourself you have been able to love others better and your love just radiates through everyone Mm -hmm. who's able to talk to you and I guarantee you everyone who listens to this will get that same feeling and thank you so thank you for that advice Mm -hmm. Um, and then, like I said, we could talk forever, but I forever guess there has ever. to be an, an ending. Is there any final remarks you have? Um, be yourself, love God, and love others. Wow. I love that, Faith. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on here, not just for one episode, but two, probably <laughs> way over, probably close to three hours of time that, that you have put in here. And I appreciate that so much. Thank you. I hope everyone listens. And as always, love one another. Thank you for listening to God Talks with Joey Oswald.